0: Welcome to The New School at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a conversation with Diana and Kelly Lindsay of Healing Circles Langley, hosted by Michael Lerner. This talk is part of a continuing series of conversations presented by The New School in conjunction
1: with Healing Circles. Diana and Kelly Lindsay, welcome to The New School. Thank, Thank you, Michael. you. We had a previous New School conversation about about Two years ago, something like that?
2: One year ago, I think. Was it only a year ago? No, I think it was two years ago.
1: Anyway, it was a conversation, Diana, about your recovery from stage 4 lung cancer. So since we can't assume that people will have heard that conversation, tell us a little about that story.
2: In 2006, I was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer, It had metastasized to my brain, both lungs, and probably around my heart and my lymph nodes. And so it was deemed incurable. I was placed on palliative care, and the thought was maybe three months unless I happened to perhaps be a match for this new targeted therapy that had only just come off of trial. So the outside was going to be a year because the people on that trial had only gotten a two-month gain. And so that's what the prognosis was, and yet it is now nine years. What did you do? First of all, I didn't accept the prognosis. That was a critical thing. I said that I was, I found the will to live. I The will to live isn't enough, but it. It has to be the first step. And um, I had a brand new baby granddaughter that just galvanized me to try to find some alternative. But then the question is, well, what? Where do you even begin looking? And I just reasoned that if the left brains of the world had not been able to come up with a, a solution for me, in three months, I wasn't going to match their effort through an intense research effort on my own. I, I, I wouldn't have time to make up that delta. So I just thought, well, then maybe I'll have to explore my right brain. Maybe it will have to come from my intuition and this mind-body connection that I had heard of but had no real way of knowing if I could employ it. And so I just began very intuitively, minute by minute, day by day, saying, this feels like healing, and this does not. This feels like healing, this does not. And it turned out that for me, my protocol was the joy protocol, uh, that love, that uh, laughter, that activity and motion and exercise that brought me joy were the first steps. And And then I was able to have an internal dialogue that kind of monitored my status. And we got immediate results um, in combination with this drug that I was put on. But my tumor shrunk in half the first month and then in half again and then in half again and then half again. And each time it did, my body would let me know ahead of time that that's where we were. And then the CT would back that up. So, um, you know, there were many bumps in the road and recurrences, but each time I got stronger in this inner dialogue and so ultimately was able to guide me um, to both medical and integrative and just living Mm -hmm. steps.
1: You and Kelly have written a beautiful book called Something More Than Hope, Surviving Despite the Odds, Thriving Because of Them. Um, and um, one of the things that's clear in that book when you talk about um, intuition is that your intuition is not at all abstract or uh, foggy. It tends to be remarkably clear. You have different organs that you can talk to in the body. They respond to you. Um, A lot of your treatment including your medical treatment, has been guided by quite explicit intuition and dialogue.
2: Yes, Mm -hmm. and I would have been the first one to Mm -hmm. be skeptical Mm -hmm. about that. Um, I was just very fortunate when I sat down and tried to begin this process of... um, communicating with my body to have my lung appear as a woman. You know, it was just like that first snapshot. And I i could have dismissed it as just a flighting image that goes across my mind. Um, and I, in one way, probably did, except that it was so striking. It was a woman with a giant boulder on her chest and... And it was a little more than a snapshot because I ran over to it, her. I tried to lift the boulder, I couldn't. And but then I said, "If I, I'll just lie down with you until the emergency medical team arrives." We had we get to make it to Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, and um, and at that moment in this little scenario in the sort of half. Half dream light state uh, 12 figures kind of emerge out of my body and declare themselves as the organs of my body.
1: 12 strong women.
2: 12 strong women. I had I'd never been exposed to the 12 major meridians mm. of the Chinese view of the world. I don't know why 12, mm. but they were very clear you know we're your heart, we're mm. and we are strong. So I took some hope from that, but I still had this giant boulder, but that was so close to what my CT looked like, which Mm -hmm. is this big, big mass, Mm -hmm. that it actually sort of shocked me, the the similarity between the two. Mm -hmm. And that was the first. And so each night I I returned and gradually saw the images getting better, um, And that happened to time with a – we made it to the Seattle Cancer Care, and they put me on this drug, and then they also said, well, we need to zap your brain, and we think that we can try this very targeted radiation called gamma knife uh, because you only have three lesions. So I was doing this meditation every night, and every night I kept getting better, and I'm going – you know, why do you think we're getting better when every time we go to the doctor, it's worse? You know, it's not just the lung, it's the brain. It's not just this, it's the heart. You know, that seems such at odds. Um, But yet that's what kept coming. And when I went in for the gamma knife procedure, which was only, you know, a week later, one of the lesions was already gone. So there was something in this dialogue something in the explosion of love and joy something in the galvanizing of the will to live or something that doctors didn't know about the drug because they didn't anticipate it to have this kind of effect that made that lesion disappear and that was enough for me to say well let's let's keep practicing let's keep trying
1: you wrote an email to your friends early on in the diagnostic mm-hmm. process asking An effect for a a love-in around you, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us about that.
2: Well, the 12 women, you know, that's just before I went to bed. Mm -hmm. And in the way dreams work, Mm -hmm. I had this compelling need in the morning to send an email to my 12 friends and have them gather around me. I thought at the time that it was fantastically pragmatic. Mm -hmm. that it would save me 12 phone calls and 12 difficult conversations that I frankly didn't think I had the energy for. And I I just, I thought, okay, two hours, they all come at once. I endure it. I'm done. But instead, 150 people came Mm -hmm. and we sang and we danced and it was so joyful, and instead of two hours where I could barely stand, it was six hours of me, uh, you know, loving life, mm-hmm. and it was so pivotal, so pivotal, um, because I had the awareness at eleven o'clock when it was over to realize that I felt better, and i i made I made the conscious awareness that at when it had started or four I forget when it started that I hadn't felt well and by 11 I did feel well and yet there had been no medical intervention in between so again how do we get better we have more resources at our command than we think and the next morning when I finally met my oncologist and he said I can't cure you having that information in my back pocket of course, was vital because uh, otherwise, I think you know, I just would have crashed through the floor and perhaps not gotten back up. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, your story about about the love in, for want of a better word, reminds me of a woman who came many years ago on the cancer help program, and she had signed up for our week long uh, cancer help program retreats at Commonweal, and then. <coughs> She sent a note to Waz Thomas, who was the coordinator, saying, you know, I'm sorry I can't come. I'm on hospice, and uh, I'm so sorry not to be able to come. So, you know, Waz had developed, a, as he often did, a relationship talking with her. And um, he um, just wanted to check in with her about a month later. So he called to see how she was doing, and this booming voice comes over the phone saying, Waz, I'm so much better. I'm coming on the Cancer Help Program. So what when she came on the Cancer Help Program, this is the story she told. She was on hospice. She was lying in bed dividing up her worldly goods with her two sons, and the younger son said, mom, I'm really tired of doing this. Uh, Give me a list of people and I'm going to throw a party for you. Mm -hmm. And so she thought, well, but she gave him a list of people and he made all the arrangements and then, you know, got her all dressed up and took her down to this boat club where they uh, were members. And there were all the people she loved and this beautiful music and you know, and she just floated through the evening, just floated through the evening. And uh, when she woke up the next day, she felt better. And she continued to feel better. Uh, and um, the lesions in her throat all disappeared. Mm. And um, and that's when she came on the Cancer Help Program. And on the Cancer Help Program, she discovered, rediscovered Um, a um, love she had had in college of writing poetry. Mm -hmm. And so poems just began to Mm -hmm. flow out of her. And she wrote a whole little book of poems, asked me to do the introduction, which I did, published it and gave it to all her friends. And I don't remember how long she lived, but she lived quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And then one day she called me up and uh, uh, said to me and Jennifer Stoll, the retreat site director, could we have a picnic with her on the cliff overlooking the ocean at Commonweal near Jennifer's Chapel? And we, the two of us and uh, this woman and, and her friend came, and we had a beautiful picnic, and she brought some wine, and toward the end of the picnic she said she just wanted us to know that the cancer had returned, and she thought it was her time now, and she was just so grateful. But the reason I tell the story is that your story can seem impossible to people,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but in fact, it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. and um, And the healing power of love is deeply mysterious, but it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the literature on spontaneous remissions from cancer, uh, which um, my friend and colleague Brendan O'Regan of the Institute of Noetic Sciences put together many years ago, uh, there were, he discovered there were all these accounts in the peer-reviewed medical journals of complete spontaneous remissions of cancer. And he looked at the different types, and there were many different studies. But one of the ways that people have had complete spontaneous remissions of cancer... Is falling in love. You know, another way is getting out of a really bad relationship. You know, a third way is developing uh, an infectious uh, disease. A fourth way is having the primary cancer cut out, and for some reason, the metastases sometimes disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but in the cancer help program, I really make a point of saying to people that what your oncologist gives you is the median survival. You know, but the median survival is being dragged to the left by all the people who are getting terrible medical care, they're under stress, they're, you know, uh, they're not sure they want to live. And you talked about discovering the will to live. Mm-hmm. And my own sense, my own experience, is that the kinds of people who really engage in intentional healing, that the median really is not predictive of what is inclined to happen. Yes, people, Die, You know, yes, sometimes people die right on schedule with the median. Uh, but after 30 years of doing the Cancer Help Program at Commonweal, the alumni community is filled with, you know, many 10-year survivors of uh, advanced cancer, um, with uh, three or four 20-year survivors of metastatic breast cancer, and mm-hmm. um, so I just bring this in because I want to make clear to our listeners that this is neither abstract nor completely impossible. Uh, it, um, as Marty Rossman says, a wonderful physician who works with imagery with cancer, he says, we, not be a- we may not be able to choose what happens to us but we get to vote, you know, and it's that act of voting as you did say, you know, I don't know what this is going to do, but
2: I'm going to go for it. You know, Michael, you, you talk about the abstraction of something like love Mm -hmm. and you might want to ask Kelly about that because for us, you know, for for any marriage, there's moments of struggle. And at the be- at the beginning of the cancer, we were in one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really transformed our relationship. And the way we did it was a very concrete change in the love that flowed between mm-hmm. us and mm-hmm. the energy. And mm-hmm. every day we practice. So... One yeah, Kelly, I'd that. love to hear about that.
4: About yeah, the Qigong and the jin Is that where you're yeah. going with this? Yeah. <laughs> Way to throw me a question without me knowing where you're going. <coughs> um, well, at the beginning, you know, her diagnosis, of just the end of the world, because I had a mm. kind of a more scientific approach to it, and I i bought both the diagnosis and the prognosis. Mm. And, uh, you know, neither one of them were very good, uh, but I had no reason to doubt, doubt either one of them.
3: Mm. Uh,
4: until this lesion disappeared, and she had this love in, which I thought was the worst possible idea in the world, but it turned out pretty good. So I still kind of had a scientific bent of evidentiary-based something, but I lost any need to know why something worked or how how it worked. Uh-huh. So when we were doing this jinshin jitsu kind of fingers and toes thing that somebody introduced to us as a, we tried it kind of as a joke, if nothing else, um, uh-huh. you know, after that we could both feel something in us that was no accounting for how this energy or whatever it was would move through. And that kind of invited me into participating in her treatment in a way that I felt completely left out before. But I, I kind of had to jettison a whole lot of my preconceptions about how the world works. So on the one hand, on the one hand, one of us did die at that point and, uh, and kept going in another way. Um,
1: and so how, Kelly, how did this transformation of the marriage and the way of loving each other, uh, I mean, anybody who's been in a long-term marriage knows that there are ups and downs in them. Um, But how did this renewal take place?
4: Well, uh, directly related to the short-term prognosis. Mm -hmm. I got to say that, I mean, a a death sentence and an immediate death sentence, there's Mm -hmm. a certain luxury in that. Mm-hmm. In terms of making a lot of things irrelevant, mm-hmm. not making something important, but there's a lot of things that mm-hmm. don't really matter that much anymore. Mm-hmm. So at, mm-hmm. at that point, it was like she was the only thing that really mattered, and it seemed like I wasn't going to have her for very long. So it was mm-hmm. pretty easy to mm-hmm. just focus on that. Mm-hmm. One, it was a matter of how to focus, I mean, how mm-hmm. to how to be there without just kind of sitting around as this sad moping guy thinking the mm-hmm. world was ending. So it was a gift to me to kind of discover this other way of, of uh, engaging with her healing and with my own healing at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But again, it was, you know, everything else got stripped away. So mm-hmm. it's, it looked like a short-term time to, uh, to either make amends or set mm-hmm. a new course. And I thought it was going to last three months. It's mm-hmm. lasted nine years, you know. So mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of just started me down a
1: different, mm-hmm. different path. Diana, you write in the book, that uh, you and Kelly had taken 17 years to build up a successful consulting business and high technology, working with Microsoft and many other uh, market leaders in, in the sector, and that it took you 17 hours to decide to, uh, to put it down.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Again, the... That was a gift of the prognosis, right? right? <laughs> That's why we say thriving because of the odds. Mm-hmm. You know, when the odds were so bad, mm-hmm. they, they really force mm-hmm. you into that new way of thinking and being. Um, and, it, and it's easier mm-hmm. than it is when we are living in a 50-50 mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just clear to me, that my options were so limited that I had to devote all of my resources to try to find a more broad palette. Mm-hmm. And I would not be able to do that and do any justice at all to our clients. And what the the only challenging part of the decision was the obligation I felt <clears throat> to the employees.
1: You had 12, 15 families, you know,
2: depending on. 16 at that 16. Point. And so they were marvelous. They were marvelous. We sat and had meetings with everyone, mm-hmm. and everyone said, we'll pitch in. We can make this mm-hmm. happen. And we had an extraordinary business partner that mm-hmm. just jumped right in. And, again, you know, those are luxuries of situations that not everybody is mm-hmm is fortunate that it lines up but
1: but it's not like you had a ton of money in the bank from the business i mean you write in again in your book that fortunately you'd a year before (laughs) put (laughs) away a little bit for a rainy day fund exactly but the decision to end the business was you know how are you going to make a living Mm -hmm. uh
2: how are we how were they how were they yeah i mean we did have Mm -hmm. I don't know why we had a rainy day fund, you know, in our lives, we've not had rainy day Mm -hmm. funds. Mm -hmm. And I really think at that point, that was my body intuition talking, saying, Mm -hmm. you know, something's not right here. You Mm -hmm. better, Better because it was an emergency medical fund. I don't know why we thought of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But that is one piece of advice to anybody. Be sure you have that fund because Mm -hmm. then it, Gives you the luxury Mm -hmm. to make a decision like this. Mm -hmm. Thinking, even, you know, we thought it was three months and there were three months Mm -hmm. in the bank. And so, okay, you know, nine years, that's a different Mm -hmm. uh, thing. But um, I think it's good advice
4: to try to have a fund in place. But if you don't have a fund in place, you make different choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you don't have certain choices in front of you, but you do have Mm -hmm. others. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we were fortunate that we didn't have to go that next Mm -hmm. step, at least at that point. There were choices that we could afford to do, mm-hmm. but that's not to say we would have found some mm-hmm. other way to do uh, an equivalent thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what those are because we didn't have to go that route. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, mm-hmm. I met you both, I guess you say you're nine years out now, mm-hmm. so I probably met you when you were about seven years out or something like that. That's when we did our previous conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're here because coming out of this, and of course I should say, Kelly, that you had a cancer experience as well. In the interim, mm-hmm. could you say a little about that?
4: Um, yeah, I don't think about it that much because right. it seemed to be kind of an afterthought. You know, right. my role the whole time was caregiver to Diana, so right. it shocked me as much as anybody that mm-hmm. I would, I, mean, I had a kidney stone that showed a mm-hmm. mass on my kidney, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm one of those in one of those enviable situations where mm-hmm. the medical community has a slam dunk solution for mm-hmm. that, at least mm-hmm. at the stage of mine was in so you know go in mm-hmm. get the surgery have a 95 percent mm-hmm. survival rate
3: mm-hmm.
4: um and that's just a matter of healing from the surgery but it you know it's kind of like going in and getting my appendix out i don't mm-hmm. think about it much i have mm-hmm. a nice scar on my mm-hmm. belly that's uh you know fun mm-hmm. to tell stories to the grandkids about with out of being surgical related more like sword fights that kind of thing Mm but uh but it was kind of a Mm non-event i think compared to diana's
1: yeah no i understand it's a different but uh, but i wanted to make the point that this has touched you both yes Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, um, so we're here now because out of this uh, came uh, uh, an extraordinary project that you two have started up here called uh, Healing Circles Langley, named after the town of Langley mm-hmm. on Whidbey Island, about an hour and a half north of Seattle. Right. So, um, Kelly, how would you describe Healing Circles Langley? What is it?
4: Uh, well, it is a place where we're, we're trying to offer support to anybody who is going through a, a cancer um, Cancer condition, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. a patient or the caregiver, that was kind of how we approached it because that was our that was our experience, mm-hmm. and we thought, you know, at the time we'd written the book, we kind of had things to share and other ways to look at things. <clears throat> it came pretty uh, clear early on that there isn't, we hope there isn't, that big of a population of cancer on the island that that would be the exclusive focus on it, mm-hmm. and we decided that you know if you're talking about healing. Um, then that kind of goes across any kind of silo of disease. So it could be any chronic conditions Mm -hmm. added. So if anybody had Parkinson's or ALS or any other neurological condition or MS, then that would be a similar day. We could offer the same kind of support in a lot of ways uh, for that population as well. And then right off the bat, we had a grief circle as well. So those kind of areas, it just kept broadening to help people get through whatever they need to get through, and not in any prescribed way, <clears throat> but help them support or help just give them whatever support they may need with whatever path that they're choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, it has kind of broadened out to kind of giving somebody support through any life-changing condition,
3: mm-hmm.
4: which is basically life when you think about it. You know, and chron- life is chronic, so it's, uh, it's kind of expanded beyond our original scope. And it's been kind of exciting to see how that how that needs mm-hmm.
1: evolving. Diana, you started Healing Circles Langley January 1st. We're now uh, just uh, January 1st, 2015. We're now uh, toward the end of July 2015. So it's been almost seven months. Um, what's happened in those seven months that surprised you Uh, from your original vision of this?
2: It's all surprised us. Mm -hmm. It has all surprised us. Mm -hmm. We started, as Kelly said, with the Cancer Circle. We thought that would be fabulous if Mm -hmm. we could offer that. Um, We right away had a grief circle. That grew into a second grief circle. That grew into a poetry and grief circle. So we're now supporting the three conditions that we thought we would be doing, cancer and grief and chronic illness. Uh, We are just moving into caregiving, Mm -hmm. realizing that that is such a big population and one of great need, although um, they have a hard time making the time for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's an area we're still exploring, whether those are circles here for both family caregivers, Or and professional, or whether that is something that um, we take into the home Mm -hmm. and offer some respite help, we have discovered that people come with needs and have many different ways that they want to explore them. So some like to explore them with others, and it's the energy of a group that helps them discover what they're truly wanting to explore. Sometimes it's a, a medium. It's, as you said, the poetry of that survivor from your program. So we now have circles that start with poetry, that start with writing, that start with art, that even start with weaving, which was certainly a surprise to us. Uh, we even have a group just starting to come in for with singing.
0: You are listening to a conversation with Diana and Kelly Lindsay of Healing Circles Langley, hosted by Michael Lerner.
2: So all of those we see as portals to an inner discovery process. And at the end of them, they end up being sharing circles as well. And then, of course, many of us really enjoy the learning behind Mm -hmm. healing. And so we've had Somewhere between twenty-two and twenty-five community conversations already, on topics from social support to integrative medicine to health and the environment to death and dying, um, and they we we structure them so that there's a context of research that kind of brings everybody up to board, and then it's an interactive community conversation. And another thing that surprises us is out of those conversations, we have what I would call community service circles that have emerged uh, where people have understood that there are other needs in the community and have formed action teams to address them.
1: Yeah, for example, the the project to develop a a village in South Whidbey that enables uh, elders to stay in their home. Mm-hmm. Part of the national village-to-village network mm-hmm. came out of uh, Healing Circles Langley. So mm-hmm. so basically in seven months, this, this has just exploded beyond anything you would have imagined.
2: Yes.
1: Now that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So what do you think accounts for it?
2: One, the remarkable community that we have. Mm -hmm. We really live in an amazing place with many gifted and talented people Mm -hmm. who have spent lifetimes around these issues. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And they are generous enough to share them. What we realized (laughs) from day one was that our only job was to get out of the way of that. Mm -hmm. And to, uh, we just call it, we wait to see what walks in the door Mm -hmm. and who walks in the door. And then we feel like it's our job to give them the energy to do that. Mm -hmm. It's really different than the strategic planning that we used to do Mm -hmm. for high-tech companies where we initiated out into the world. Mm -hmm. Instead, we get to just be in a responsive mode and a, a shaping and a creative mode um putting people together like
4: you do in that regard that it's good to have a plan but it's even better to ignore it Mm -hmm. and just just let things emerge Mm -hmm. and we kind of follow christina baldwin's advice of to move at the pace of guidance which is completely Mm -hmm. opposite of what what our training and our background Mm -hmm. was in the business world of trying to anticipate anticipate needs and uh, so we just are delighted to create a low-pressure area here and see what it draws in, and it draws in remarkable stuff from this community.
1: One of the things you provided, which uh, I think is worth saying, is um, you have dedicated um, a very beautiful building that used to house your business at the edge of the town of Langley, looking out at the uh, Sarasota package and the, and a passage and the uh, Cascade Mountains uh, across the water um, that has a lot of magic to it. Um, it's two stories. Um, uh, it's it's just quite beautiful. And um, Diana, I'd love to have you tell the story about how that came to be.
2: Uh, that we had the that we gave the whole building yeah. to the effort. Yeah. Uh, I I used to direct the high school musicals as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And we used to put on a full Broadway show in two months with rank amateurs and pros take two months to do it. So it was always impossible, right? And the way we did it is I would always tell everybody, the minute you get it, reach back a hand and help the person behind you to get it. So that was always our mind, you know, reach back a hand. And so when I started to get well, you know, that came to us, reach back a hand as quickly as you could. So many people had been calling us up, coming to our living room. And we just thought, well, that'll be our life's work. We'll just wait wait for people to come and we'll just be there in that moment. Uh, The The business went through a change and that happened like that. We get a call, boom, it's a change. And suddenly Kelly and I are looking at it going, all right, adjust, make that happen. So we were able to transition the business. Everybody kept their jobs except us. And um, we're looking at this building. We go, this is a beautiful room. This would be great for when people come and we have our circles of two or three. And then um, one afternoon, we're going to rent the downstairs to fund this. And Mm -hmm. Kelly takes somebody through and walks upstairs and goes, no, the whole building has to be for healing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I go, okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whole building has to be for healing. Mm -hmm. So how do we make that happen? And that was a Thursday afternoon. And Friday morning, Mm -hmm. we... Got a chance to talk to you,
3: mm-hmm.
2: so that was an absolute serendipity. What, what happened when university. you talked to
1: me? What what happened?
2: Well,
4: well that at the be Institute, yeah and I think you were just asking what we were doing. I think at that point we were bringing you a copy of our book to see mm-hmm. if you would, if you would uh, give us an endorsement. You said, "Well, not until I read it." And so we gave you a copy of the book. And at that time, I think you just just asked what what we were doing these mm-hmm. days, and we mentioned that we. We're wanting to do kind of non-residential cancer support in Mm -hmm. some way. And it just coincided with what you were interested in Mm -hmm. at that very point with the Healing Circles initiative that that you have at Commonwealth. So it was just that kind of a Mm -hmm. conversation that then developed into the conference calls with the Bay Area and Portland people.
1: And that was last August.
4: That was last August when we met here
1: with... Uh, oh.
3: But it was, it was January that
4: year.
1: So January a year ago, and then the following January you opened. And, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay.
2: And we had to take the time out for Kelly to get cancer and recover. Oh, yeah, that, right.
1: that so it was really
2: August before mm-hmm. we could really mm-hmm. get mm-hmm.
1: So it was last going. August. Almost yeah, a year last ago was when we met here So I appreciate that you say that your job is just to get out of the way. But in my experience, this kind of thing works when there's at least one person but two people is even better who are just fiercely dedicated to making something happen, you know. And really, um, you know, there's in, in the spiritual traditions there's something called the law of sacrifice i don't know if you've heard of it but basically the concept is that to really make something happen there has to be a sacrifice i mean a joyful sacrifice Mm -hmm. but you know and and for you to give yourselves and this space and then to be in a community that you've been part of for such a long time and you know have Done the school musicals and started the Women of Whitby project and um, just, um, and then as you say, the, this community is so rich in what's called social capital or informal capital that um, when there's an opening like this, um, people to an astonishing degree, it astonished you, it certainly astonished me. Mm-hmm just rushed in to, or yeah. came in, rushed is the wrong word, but they showed up yeah. to start creating healing circles. Mm-hmm. Not just for cancer, not just for grief, not just for chronic illness, right. but also people working with the healing arts, mm-hmm. and then the, the learning projects and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the reason we're having this conversation, as you know, is that after 30 years of, doing the Cancer Help Program at Commonweal, my original vision was, well, let's find a way of sharing what we've learned in 30 years of the Cancer Help Program. And at first I thought, well, we'll kind of distill the essence of the Cancer Help Program and disseminate it. And I thought about that for a while, and then one day I had the most useful flash I've had, which was, This isn't about disseminating what we've learned from the Cancer Help Program. This is about creating a learning community Mm -hmm. where all of us who are committed to high-quality support work, originally we thought for people with cancer and those who care about them, and then we added other illnesses and conditions of loss. Mm -hmm. So working from the cancer model, but as you both said... Mm -hmm. The same things apply to other illnesses, and then they apply to conditions of loss, right? Yeah. And so, working with the two of you, because my wife, Charlotte, and I, three years ago, received a intuitive instruction to find a place to live up here, as well as uh, down near Commonwealth um, and Bolinas. And the voice said to me, Find a place and wait for further instructions. And then you guys showed up, you know, and it came to me that this was my, Mm -hmm. at least this was a significant part of my further instruction. And so there's been an intuitive sense on your side and on mine of uh, how important this partnership was for all of us. Um, And um, so, so we start doing it, and there's this amazing... Expression of interest. And so the healing circles work. As you know, we've been doing dozens and dozens of podcasts and videocasts of um, healing circles, workshops, and events at Commonweal, and we've been doing residential trainings. And then, as you know, we connected with Harmony Hill, which is a major cancer retreat center up here, and uh, they got very excited about this. And so um, there's this wonderful partnership between Harmony Hill, which is, again, planning to work with some of the major cancer centers in uh, Washington. Uh, and we're exploring a connection with Kalanish which also, like Harmony Hill, was based on the Cancer Health Program model, and it's up in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. So in the Northwest, at least, the Healing Circles project is a learning community has taken off more strongly than anywhere else in the country. You know, we certainly have wonderful partners emerging across the country, but I thought it was important to have this conversation so people can see what it actually looks like, you know. So one thing that distinguishes this from other Healing Circles projects, not all of them, uh, but it's interesting that the initial ones are starting... With groups that have some kind of physical space, Mm -hmm. some of them are starting them.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But there is a difference between somebody who may offer a support group or a Tai Chi group with conversation or whatever in a rented facility or a living room or something, which can be wonderful. Mm -hmm. But that's different from what you have at Healing Circles Langley, which is a dedicated space in a supportive community. And it seems to me that's a big factor in how well this is going.
2: I feel like the promise of Healing Circles is that we as human beings can get better at the help and the healing that we offer each other mm-hmm. we we do social support mm-hmm. is more effective than diet and exercise and all of the things that we normally associate with mm-hmm. healing mm-hmm. so if it is then how do we how do we make that better and to mm-hmm. me you know we make it better when a parent holds a child more effectively mm-hmm. and helps them mm-hmm. heal when a uh, Child helps a parent, and um when a friend helps a friend. So anytime we are together and we form a caring container, which is a circle, and we dedicate that time to healing, that's beautiful. That's a healing circle. So for it to spread, that can happen anywhere. You it know? can. And and it would be lovely if yeah. more of it did. And yep. I think that the yeah. um, the things that we're learning about what makes that gel and work right. are just transferable anywhere. Right. We, in a space, have a have both a different opportunity and a different challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, we're not just saying, "How can I be here for you mm-hmm. in this minute?" But we're trying to say, "How can we be here for a whole community?" And how can we guarantee, and this is a huge ambition. We didn't have this when we started, but we're coming into it. You know, How could we guarantee that anybody in this community could have social support when they needed it? Mm-hmm. There are, there's beautiful social support here. There are beautiful social nets that have formed because of the vision of,
3: mm-hmm.
2: of uh, the, the community at large. And so it's not that this is a community that, that doesn't already excel in that. But it doesn't mean that we don't experience illness, that we don't age, that we don't experience grief. And the professional net isn't big enough to handle that. The government net isn't big enough to handle that. And the friends and family net isn't always big enough. So, you know, could we could we have that here? Mm-hmm. And that is why a place is wonderful, Um Because the whole community can come in and play and explore that.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: One of the projects we're working on together, not only for Healing Circles Langley, but for the learning community around the country and beyond, is inevitably a website and the software for holding a learning community together. And the two of you have been kind enough to volunteer to um, help us uh, do that. And um, so in our conversations, uh, we often, when I'm up here, we often meet two hours a day, five days a week, working on this. Um, you've proposed um, three kinds of circles or three ways that circles might start. Could you describe what they are?
2: Mm-hmm. Healing circles, learning circles.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um well, a healing circle is when people get together around a common healing objective. And that can either be facing an illness, as we've been describing, but mm-hmm. it also can be around living a full and meaningful life. Mm-hmm. So we have interests right now, for example, in, in aging well and in staying well, and mm-hmm. they would end dying well, which mm-hmm. also includes living well. Mm-hmm. So those circles gather um, Because everybody there shares that. Mm -hmm. A learning circle.
4: Well, there's other kinds of healing circles, too, before we Mm -hmm. pass those. And we also have, you can have two people in a a healing circle. I'm just kind of co-counseling just a circle of two, Mm -hmm. just reflecting back to each other. And we can also have circles of one. And we have a lot of spaces downstairs where somebody can just come in and treat this like a secular sanctuary, for lack of a better word, of coming in just working on their own and have a circle of whatever inner voices are clamoring for attention and try to give each one space to either talk themselves out or make themselves heard. But that's more of just kind of circles of one work. So I kind of look at healing circles as being either circles of
1: one, two, or many. Mm-hmm. And the ones Diana talked about are more the circles. Now that's a critical point, that um, as we've conceptualized it, um, you really ha- can have, when you when you're doing healing work, with yourself, mm-hmm. you're actually, for example, the the twelve strong women that surrounded you in your imagery was an inner healing circle, no question about it. You were working with manifestations of the different organ mm-hmm. systems, but you could have been working with different subpersonalities or yeah. however you. But when we are by ourselves, we are a community.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: We are also that biologically, as you know, you know, I mean the number of, you know, microbes and so forth that we support in our system. We are communities of life, not just... Uh, yeah, we're yeah. kind of outnumbered in a lot of work. We're outnumbered. <laughs> uh, trillion and, and there are all these different, the subpersonalities personalities or the organ systems or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. There's deep healing work that can be done in a circle mm-hmm. of one. Mm-hmm. And then there's the dyadic work mm-hmm. that's done uh, like co-counseling or something yeah. like that where one person speaks, the other listens, and then they reverse Reverse several technologies to do that. Mm -hmm. Then there's small circles of four or five, and then there's circles of seven to nine, and then there are bigger circles. Mm -hmm. And each one has its own Mm -hmm. set of optimal methodologies. And one of the things about healing circles, since it's a learning community, is that we're not prescribing a single technique. We're an open source system. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter whether somebody uses Christina Baldwin's Pure Spirit Counseling, which you trained, trained in and right? Christina is a resident of um, Whidbey Island, mm-hmm. or whether they're using Parker Palmer's rules for circle work or the rules that come out of Alcoholics Anonymous. There, there are many sets of effective ways. But one of the things we're committed to is there there may be many ways to do it, but it can be done well or badly. Mm -hmm. And we're committed to helping people do it well. And what that means is really understanding the conditions under which the soul can speak, Mm -hmm. you know, that we go past our surface personalities and surface concerns and enable people to explore their truth. And we have some ground rules for how that's done. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the ground rules? I actually have the little cheat sheet here, but maybe you can actually remember them. Well, in the larger circles when we meet, and, and we've adapted these from the work we've done with
4: Christina Baldwin yeah. and Malaya. Uh, but we do have other, other hosts in circles in this building that were trained in Parker Palmer's method and some that come from the AA tradition. So all of those, everybody contributes a lot of commonalities to all of those factors. But the ones we use um, are basically four agreements that we establish at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the circle. And the first one is just the the confidentiality, that whatever is shared in the circle stays in the circle, at Mm -hmm. at least shared by other people. And you can share Mm -hmm. whatever you Mm -hmm. want with somebody else. Um, the next one is we listen with kindness and compassion, so there's mm-hmm. no judgment going on, and everybody, mm-hmm. everybody has their say and, and can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is that we honor, and this is usually well, this is in any of the circles we have, whether it's a, an illness or a condition or loss, that we honor everybody's unique path through this. We may be going through a similar. Mm-hmm situation mm-hmm. but everybody has their own so nobody's mm-hmm. trying to fix nobody's advising nobody's giving advice about this is what mm-hmm. you should do it's more in the mm-hmm. spirit of sharing this is what i did this is what i found out worked for me or didn't work for me but not a mm-hmm. not a fixing situation and the last one and this is uh, very common in the pure spirit i'm not sure if it's common in the others as much but the we, we use uh, bells to ring a silence so mm-hmm. we all agree that if we hear the bells we stop for a moment of silence and sometimes mm-hmm. that's just a uh, you know kind of catch our bearings you know if something is uh, emotionally charged you know we just stop before the next person can go on and that's mostly so we can concentrate on what the person's sharing or what has just been mm-hmm. shared without without getting a lagging behind the conversation mm-hmm. uh, so those four the confidentiality honoring the past kindness and compassion silence are really the Four fundamental ones that mm-hmm. we kind of use, and they can be adapted, you know, to mm-hmm. use it. But the main point of all of them is just to create a, uh, you know, a safe place, you know, where somebody both feels safe and is safe, and those are two different things. But really, all four of those are geared to creating a, mm-hmm. a real
1: safe uh, environment for somebody. Christina's Baldwin's list also lists we treat each other with kindness and respect. So she, so there are those four, and then from time to time we take a pause, take a. Pause. So um, we'll have to figure out whether we're working with the four version or the five version as we right? work this through. Um, but absolutely. as you said, I just want to repeat it. Uh, uh, stories shared in circle are deeply confidential. one. We listen with compassion and curiosity, to. We honor each other's unique ways to healing and don't presume to advise, fix, or save each other, three. We treat each other with kindness and respect, four. And from time to time, we pause, which is, um, as we do it, we begin and end with silence, and we may put silence in there. Um, and, you know... These simple rules uh, or agreements, uh, deeply agreed to by everybody, create a space for the soul to speak. Mm -hmm. It's extraordinary. And yet, how many support groups, well-intended support groups for cancer or other illnesses or other conditions of loss, don't know this? You know? I mean, simple, but... Lots of people don't know this. And so lots of people go to support groups and, you know, find people complaining about their doctors or it's mm-hmm. on the surface or whatever. And, and yet we know some very simple technologies, time-tested, mm-hmm. like Alcoholics Anonymous's mm-hmm. or Parker Palmer's version or Christina's version. Um, these are time-tested. These really work, you know. So we're not prescribing a single one, but we're saying either you merge some or or work it out. But there are common elements that one way or another should work their way into circle work. Any thoughts about this, Diana?
2: Just the uh, ability for the group to have the discussion and to make their own if they need to, their own agreement. Right. And they can include how long they go, how, mm-hmm. whether there's a limit to the amount of time, mm-hmm. different groups will feel comfortable with different things, and but bringing it to the surface, getting mm-hmm. everybody to have that discussion and agree um, equal, you know, creates equal place, we call it on the rim of the circle, mm-hmm. and when everybody is strong on the circle... you know, that just is a whole different quality of interaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So,
1: we've talked around this subject, but um, we've kind of articulated this in uh, three kinds of circles which overlap a lot. And, um, And you've developed these images, which will be on the website, but the first is, and to, to us in many respects, the most important is um, the soul of healing, uh, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual healing. And in the circle, we see that as a vertical line, mm-hmm. uh, that we're going both down into the depths and into physicality and into emotions and up into mental and spiritual ideas about ourselves, Whatever we mean by spiritual, we don't have to use the word. And then the horizontal is the art of healing. So we have the soul of healing, we have the art of healing. And there, it is essentially about navigating the illness or the grief or the condition of loss, right? Mm -hmm. And that can change. But in the cancer work uh, that we've done and that I talked about in my book, Choices in Healing... I found it useful to at least have five kinds of navigation, and those are choices in self-healing and healing itself, choices in medical therapies, choices in integrative therapies, choices in pain and suffering, choices in death and dying. Those all have a a vertical dimension, but they are navigation issues. Each of them has their own navigation issues. Um, And then uh, as a subset of that, but a very important subset that we want to highlight uh, is uh, that um, it matters to know that um, diet, exercise, stress reduction, and finding love and support are sort of four pillars of becoming a healthier person Mm -hmm. with cancer or with some other illness or whatever, so, in Dean Ornish's work with heart disease and also with prostate cancer, and on his website, he works with those four: diet, exercise, stress reduction, finding love and support.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's a wonderful website called the Daniel Plan, which comes out of an evangelical Christian mm-hmm. uh, project, uh, and they have five or so. It's can we remember them? It's food,
2: fitness,
1: family, or friends, faith. faith. And friends? It was either family or friends or maybe both. Oh, focus. 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 Oh, yeah. focus. yeah, food, fitness, focus. Uh, food, fitness, focus. Faith. Faith. faith.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, food, fitness, faith, focus. So it doesn't really matter which articulation of this you use, but in addition to navigating with the choices and self-healing, medical therapies, integrative therapies, pain and suffering, and death and dying, it really helps to know that becoming a healthier person with whatever it is mm-hmm. helps, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it can help, in some cases, dramatically. And then the third is this, the heart of healing, which is what we've been talking about. It's the, the agreements that make uh, a, a circle work, right? Mm-hmm. And they are... Um, In your articulation, Uh, that includes um, providing safe sanctuary for the group, sharing authentically, listening generously, uh, uh, supporting individuals in their decision-making, embracing mystery, and exploring the art of healing, which is the horizontal line. So these groups both have the vertical dimension of... Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual work, which is primary. And then, at whatever level they want, the navigational dimension. And then there's the work of the circle itself. You are listening to a conversation with Diana and Kelly Lindsay of Healing Circles Langley, hosted by Michael Lerner. And so, as we've articulated it in just over many months of this work, we've come to those the soul of healing, the vertical, the art of healing, the horizontal and the heart of healing, a heartfelt effort felt effort to provide a safe, respectful environment for deep inner healing to occur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not bad, you know? I mean, the universe will teach us. I mean, that's part of it, that we're not assuming that we've got it right forever, but... Um, well, we're meeting again for two hours tomorrow. It could be entirely <laughs> different <after>
2: that. So. <laughs> Michael, maybe it'd be helpful to share how our cancer circle works as, a, I'd as love an to example of that. That. that would be wonderful. Yeah. Cuz of course each circle uh, does differently our our grief circle is similar to this but it's it's basically four parts. Mm-hmm. So the welcome is the first part and that is the process of leaving the world, mm-hmm. the stress of the world, and entering into this sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And of course, it begins from the moment you walk in the door mm-hmm. and you get a cup of coffee and you feel connected to people through social interaction. And and then we move it into the circle and and then we, we create ritual together. And what that ritual is doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. in this particular group, we have silence. We have a candle. We have a bell. In, in our cancer circle, because we have such an interest in getting better at that focus and that stress reduction mm-hmm. and that inner discovery, we'll often have a poem or a meditation and different members of the group will bring it. But all of that helps us just get to that centered place Mm -hmm. from a place of chaos. So that's the welcome. And then the next stage is the heart sharing. That is the soul of -hmm. healing. Mm -hmm. And everybody shares whatever is present for them in that moment. The soul of healing is not about future, although Mm -hmm. it could be about fear of the future. Um, And that's usually... A talking piece uh, it's a stone that passes or whatever you have a
1: talking stick or a stone right. that the, something
2: that goes around so whoever's holding
1: it is the speaker and nobody else and, is. and, and is.
2: Nobody, nobody else, else is and down. that just right. breaks uh the kind of rapid interaction right. that can happen right. and allows people to center before they right. speak and right. so that's a big part of the circle right um.
4: Well, in the center of the circle is a big part. I mean, having a center where everything can be directed there rather than at each other. At least in the training that we you're speaking into the circle. Into the circle. So very much the way goes, a Quaker meeting works. Right. Mm-hmm. You speak right. into the silence. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're all supporting each other, but right. nobody's carrying each other because right. really everything's happening in the middle right. of it. Right take out what you need to take out and put in what you need to put in. So
2: So we have the welcome. Then we have this heart sharing time, Mm -hmm. um, which is the soul of healing. And then we have a time for the art of healing Mm -hmm. uh, to share amongst each other, what our minds want to know.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And that is trickier because In most of our social interaction, we want to jump to telling, right? right? Or we want to jump to advice, or we want to jump to fixing. And so, this is when the muscle of the group has to be a little stronger to protect the circle. Um, And so, we do something we just call harvesting the collective wisdom. And people, in effect, put into the center different topics they'd like to address. And they can do that physically with a post it or they can just call it out. Um, and then it's the work of the circle to address that. And often it's conversational style. But that's different than I have a problem that I'd like you to fix for me. Instead, it is all together. We know we all share this concern, and here's how I personally have addressed it. So one night, for example, we had a beautiful time where the topic, which is often the topic, was fear and anxiety for the cancer group. It's so overwhelming. And the the question was, in the middle of the night or the middle of the day, whatever the darkest hour is, how do you get through the next five minutes? And each person shared so beautifully, I go down to this spot on the pier. I've learned to take three breaths. I have a favorite meditation. Here's what it is. Mm-hmm. I love music. Each of those are not saying you should. This is from the depth of my being. Here is my secret tool. Mm-hmm. And so those can be really, really beautiful Our grief circle has amazing harvests um, from their experience. And then at the end, we close. So we have the welcome, the soul of healing, the art of healing, and a close. Mm -hmm. And the close just rewinds back out. Mm -hmm. So if if two people have brought poetry, we'll do poetry. If someone's brought a song, we'll sing. Mm -hmm. We have silence. We blow out the candle. And we go back to social. People are welcome to stay for another hour if they'd like. But we always stop on time so those that need to get home can.
1: Mm-hmm. And i found, and I think you've found, it's very valuable to pay attention to the social time at the beginning and the social time at the end. Mm-hmm. Because all kinds of richness emerges of people approaching each other and mm-hmm. deciding to get together or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of weaving that takes mm-hmm. place before the formal mm-hmm. beginning and after the formal end. But how valuable to be clear right. that it's going to go this period of time, mm-hmm. 60 minutes, 90 minutes, two hours, whatever it is. And, um, and I agree with you that the trickiest part is the, um, the learning piece. The, 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 well, it takes profound skill to do the deep work well. You know, just to model that and to create the culture of the deep work. But somehow, if you get the elements right, that comes naturally. Mm -hmm. But the thing about the learning thing is that you do go back into a conversational mode, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just a deep listening and each person Mm -hmm. speaking their truth. And when you go back into the conversational mode, conversational habits Mm
3: -hmm.
1: are inclined to recur,
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though, as you describe it, people with training can speak for themselves, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh.
2: Michael, that actually is another advantage of a place based mm-hmm. center. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we started, there's healing circles, learning circles, and caring circles. And we have our learning can also happen in our learning circles. Mm-hmm. Um, which are, we, we call them just community conversations. Mm-hmm. And someone with some experience with the research or some personal experience mm-hmm. will share 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully not the whole evening. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. And then um, we have dialogue in the community, sometimes we break that into small groups. Uh, sometimes that's all together, depending on the size of the group. And and then it's sort of the reverse. We take the what has come from the outer world, and we then apply it inwardly. And so we, the first question we ask is, "Well, what does this mean to me?" And then a question that our community likes to ask at the end of the evening is, "Well, what does this mean for our community?" So we can address a lot of topics in our learning circles that we don't have to address in our healing circles, because not everybody is equally interested in all the learning. Mm -hmm. And so we have that luxury. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, one of the things that Christina Baldwin talks about uh, in her trainings, and you did her peer spirit counseling trainings, and they're very elegant, um, is... And, and I think it, it needs to be addressed, is what do you do with um, difficult personalities or somebody who has trouble sort of taking their fair share of the space in some way? Um, I mean, maybe you haven't encountered that yet, but I know in the Cancer Health Program that we do from time to time. And I'm curious about how you manage that if you've encountered it.
4: We typically don't tell them when the next meeting is. No, you <laughs> no we really, uh, we have not encountered that. You haven't
1: had it yet? We haven't
4: had that, uh, that I can think of that became a, a problem anyway. Um, you know, we do emphasize kind of the mechanics of how we're going to do this now we're going to do the circle, and everyone abides by that mm-hmm. pretty well. And I think, well, yeah, we just haven't had somebody that's come in. Yeah,
1: that, we, that we have, uh, let me describe some variants of it. Mm-hmm. Um, one variant is the person that once they start talking, it's really hard for them to stop. Uh-huh. So in a sharing where there's a kind of an informal rule of, I don't know what, but no more than five minutes, mm-hmm. they just can't stop. Uh-huh. So what you do about that. Another one, which is probably my personality that I have tremendous difficulty with, is when implicit in the way somebody talks, it is that they see themselves as kind of a spiritual teacher or more spiritually evolved. Mm -hmm. And there's a way in which they're telling the group, even if they're speaking for themselves in theory, Mm -hmm. that their Buddhist thing or whatever Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. is, you know, somehow superior to the way other people work, or Mm -hmm. could be Christian or Jewish or whatever, but... um, um, And a a third is um, somebody who um, inadvertently, but nonetheless in real ways, manages to hurt other people. Mm -hmm. Um, um, An example comes to mind of somebody who after somebody had shared in a very vulnerable way in one of the cancer help program alumni groups came up to the person who had shared and said how could you possibly let them do that to you or something like that
3: mm-hmm. it
1: was quite shattering for the uh-huh. person you know so um i think it's worth um and i guess a fourth point is that um The methodology of uh, peer-spirit counseling, which distributes different roles around the circle and asks for the circle to be held by everybody, um, in some of the Cancer Health Program alumni groups, and in general in my experience, it helps to have somebody who clearly is in leadership of some kind, Mm-hmm. but who gets to make the difficult call mm-hmm. and who for example if somebody is being difficult mm-hmm. gets to take them aside not in the group right but say to them you know i notice that you have difficulty bringing something to an end and
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know sort of staying within the informal time limits mm-hmm. and i'd like to help with that and how would it be if I went like this to signal to you mm-hmm. to bring what you're saying to completion mm-hmm. because that you make such a valuable contribution, but I want to help you contain that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, yeah, that's wonderful. I think it helps if, if the issue of who's in charge is somehow uh, mm-hmm. settled. Um, yeah, I think that is important. And yeah. the way and
4: in the pure spirit method, there are two, there's a, you know what's called a host, and there's a guardian, and, right? And so Diana is typically the guardian. I'm the host. Sometimes we switch that around, and and we sit opposite of each other, mm-hmm. so I can see that part of the circle, mm-hmm. and she sees the part I can't see. So mm-hmm. we're, we are kind of gauging how different people are reacting. And we have had. I mean, I took your your hypothetical situation as kind of a belligerent person. Right. We have had the first two. Yeah. Uh, you know, conditions, situations that mm-hmm. you mentioned. One person going on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm kind of looking at how are the other people in, engaged in it, and she was looking at it, and we let it go on because that person, I think everybody recognized, needed to keep going on and on. It was a little out of, you know, mm-hmm. out of balance based mm-hmm. on what everybody else did. But it's a really hard, touchy deal to interrupt somebody. No, no,
1: I do, I wouldn't the interrupt yeah, them, I mean, or at least very rarely. Right. If it just goes on and on and on and on, yeah, then I will say to somebody. James, do you think you could summarize? Right. You know, That'd be good. Something like that. But otherwise, I take them aside after the yeah. session yeah. and say, it was so good to hear you at length today. Yeah. Part of the thing that we really need to have this be healthy mm-hmm. is to share the space. Yeah, that's a lovely one, And too. some people have difficulty knowing how to stop. How mm-hmm. can we help with that? Yeah, you know? that's a wonderful way to
3: do it.
2: The um The guardian role and the agreement to take a pause.
3: Yeah.
2: At first, we didn't understand Mm -hmm. when we entered Christina and Anne's, and and it's Anne Linnae is an equal partner in this methodology. Um, But it has really saved our circles, those two things. It's actually quite profound because it, it says we're going to assign one person, and it doesn't have to be a, quote, leader. It mm-hmm. can be a peer, mm-hmm. but to watch that the circle stays safe. So above everything else, the circle has to stay safe. Mm-hmm. And the method for that can be a bell that rings, mm-hmm. but it could be any, any way of getting attention. But the group agrees that this person has that right in effect, to interrupt or to stop. And because they use a bell, the beautiful thing about the bell is that it has an after effect. So, you know, it takes a little bit to ring out. And that's just enough time for everybody to settle down, including the person that's talking.
1: But they don't ring the bell during. Or something.
2: Well, they could. They could if, it, if it, It's it. rare. But they could, if they it could. got out of hand, they could, and they would just re- And then they would just say, um, you know, we all agreed that we would finish by quarter to nine, and so if you, if you could finish in another couple minutes, mm-hmm. you know, that would be the extreme of that.
4: Mm-hmm. I think the only interruption would be if it was a, some violence or somebody was mm-hmm. mistreating somebody. That would be about the only time I think. Mm-hmm.
2: They would well, that's a that's an immediate. Like Mm -hmm. that, that's a condition that we wouldn't let allow to continue. Mm -hmm. The other one that I've had to ding is more that spiritual guide or the advice giver. and
1: Which can be done very subtly. You know, it can be done playing by the rules, speaking from their own experience. Mm -hmm. But speaking from their own experience in a way... Mm-hmm. That is intended to be a form of advice, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, <laughs> and my, put it into the center rather than.
2: Yeah. A, so, my advice at that moment mm-hmm. is to ding the first time you hear it in the circle because mm-hmm. otherwise, everybody else in the circle will do that. You know, everybody will start piling on. It's just human nature right. to mm-hmm. try to solve the problem for right. somebody. But if right at the beginning we say, um, you know, we just want to remember that we've put this into the center. It's not focused on Jane. We all share Jane's concern. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to solve it. And that the only way we can solve it is within. So we all have to make our own choice. We're all just laying choices on the mm-hmm. table. We're not suggesting ours is good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that can be quickly kind of nipped in the bud, then it's not one person is the offender. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of just a, a group reset, and, and then the whole rest of the evening goes, great. Mm-hmm. So I've been grateful that we had that agreement ahead of time, mm-hmm. because otherwise, if you ding without that agreement, it feels yeah, exactly. chastising. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what's interesting here, and I'm grateful we've done it, is we've entered into... In other words, we started with, uh, we've been talking about circle work. This is not the circle of one, not the circle of two, Mm -hmm. but typically that circle of seven to nine or 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is where the deepest soul work is often done, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so at one level, it's simple, uh, but it's not easy. You know, in other words, to do it really beautifully Mm -hmm. um, is incredibly powerful.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm in a heart group uh, that's been meeting since my heart attack 12 years ago. And we didn't get the agreements right at the start. We didn't get, we did fairly well. I mean, there were a bunch of really thoughtful people, but we fell into patterns that have essentially been irreversible. Hmm. And so one of the things I learned from that, I love the group and we do good work together, uh, but I learned that the culture of a group gets established very early. Mm-hmm. And so the agreements and the, the culture at the start is really important. And it's very, very difficult to change the culture of a group, I mean, it can be done, mm-hmm. but it's a really difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. That's why we
4: typically close our circle after the second or third meeting. Meeting depending mm-hmm. on how it doesn't really work as easy as is it? A, it's a drop in. Oh,
1: you mean you close it to new people after? Close it to
4: new people, and then if we have enough to start another one, we would start another one. But Mm -hmm. that one, since they've got a certain level of agreement, a certain way of working together, and certain depth of sharing with Mm -hmm. each other, it's hard to repeat that with new people each time. So, Mm -hmm. the circles we have here are typically six to eight, probably eight meetings every other week, and then we will either release everybody from that circle and start again, and whoever wants to keep continue, continues, and then... We
1: so operate. typically you have agreements for seven or eight weeks?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So they're time-limited agreements, mm-hmm. uh, closed after the first two or three meetings, right. and then people can start again. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the problems that, as you know, we have three alumni groups of the Cancer Health Program in the Bay Area And actually, those three groups got very interested in Healing Circle's methodology and did begin to adopt it, even though they had had patterns going before. So it can be done. But a fascinating reality of group work with cancer is that people die. Mm -hmm. And uh, that um, the impact of a death on a group Mm -hmm. can be really profound. And so... We had some of the alumni from the North Bay group uh, call me up and say, could I figure out with them how to deal with their grief because they had lost four members in mm-hmm. six months or something is a circle of 12 or, mm-hmm. and they were very thoughtful people but they just and I said to them, I don't know how to do this mm-hmm. but um, I will come if you will work out how you'd like to do it. I'll Mm -hmm. come and Mm -hmm. participate. So they figured out how they were going to run a day long grief workshop. They did a better job of organizing it than we as the staff who've done this work for 30 years could have done, you know, and then they began to bring the grief work that they did together into our alumni days during the afternoon. And, um, also, with Francis Weller, who's one of our co-leaders, who does a lot of grief work, mm-hmm. um, it's gone very deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the point I was making is that I like your system of going eight weeks and then allowing it to reform. Eight times. Eight sessions. Oh, eight it sessions. Depends. It could be three to four Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that means that if people die... There's an opportunity to add new people to the new, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that you can replenish it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if a group is a very long-term group that is just, um, that is closed, Mm -hmm. then it's really hard to add people,
2: you know. Our grief group has become an exception. We started and we closed it. To sort of protect the vulnerability of it. But then the group felt strong. And unfortunately, in our community, we have just had a lot of death recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, the group has been inviting the newcomers <laughs> you know, into, into the circle, which is very, very beautiful. Yeah. And has said that we'll be an open circle because. We who have been with it longer, and, you know, it may just be in a couple months longer, mm-hmm. can hold how beautiful the that comes in. And so what we're interested in now is at the other end, um, and just next week we're going to try to establish a ritual for those who feel like they're at the end of the grieving process. How beautiful. Uh, because we would like to release them with a ritual mm-hmm. that says... We so value you everywhere we go in town and see you. You are still a part of our hearts. Mm -hmm. You are still a part of our circle, Mm -hmm. but we release you from coming until you choose to come back. Mm -hmm. It's always open that you can return, Mm -hmm. but rather than uh, just slipping away, you know, we like people to come and say, you know, I think my mourning period has come to an end. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, we're going to just try to figure out how to mark that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of the, the, mm-hmm. a different problem, how to, how to bring people in midway and then how to release them at the other end. And I think that this particular group is working because there is such a core in the center of that. Mm-hmm. And so new people can come and quickly learn the culture and then they're the solid center as these people you know, graduate.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like that very much. Mm-hmm. What all of this speaks to is, to me, the fundamental value of our decision to be a learning community. And rather than putting out a single model, to do the work and let the work teach us. Mm-hmm. I mean, because... First of all, it doesn't privilege anybody. I mean we've done the Cancer Hub program for 30 years, but just listening to you, you two, I'm learning all kinds of things. And you know, as I learned from Harmony Hill, and, right. and, and the beauty of the learning community model is it's just like the circle the circle methodology, you say, you speak into the center, and then that enables each person to take what is valuable.
3: Right. Mm-hmm
1: speak from their hearts, and nobody is forced to do anything, you know? And similarly, the learning community model just says, we can learn from each other, you know? And that enriches everybody. Um, And I think over time that, you know, you start with a broad funnel, and over time the funnel begins to narrow as the consensus experience teaches more and more. Like in AA, which is such a good example, they don't have rules, but they have traditions. Mm-hmm. Where did the traditions come from? Mm-hmm. From hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these groups and their experience. So, you know, how can we, in our work, uh, be open to everything, but part of the learning may lead us to traditions
2: mm-hmm.
1: that enable us to, uh, yep. to do this yeah. work? Yeah.
2: We're experiencing that ourselves right now at Healing Circles Langley that we're just so delighted by because we just described a form that a type of healing circle could Mm -hmm. be. But we have these new forms emerging Mm -hmm. um, with our poetry Mm -hmm. and grief, our writing to heal, and our art and healing. And weaving. And weaving. <laughs> and weaving, and each of those have very different forms. Each leader has mm-hmm. established a culture, and all we say is the circle. They have the circle has to abide by the circle agreements. You can mm-hmm. add to those, but mm-hmm. at least the core. Well,
4: you mm-hmm. can even take them away if you wanted to, but it's got to be by agreement and consensus mm-hmm. of that group. Mm-hmm.
2: But that that there that becomes the cultural healing mm-hmm. circle slangly. But then we're all attending each other's. Circles mm-hmm. so that, you know, we're all learning and we get a great idea from somebody else's circle and mm-hmm. we get to bring it back into ours.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, I am absolutely loving that, um, mm-hmm. that interchange. So that's another advantage mm-hmm. to place or at least to a, a network. And hopefully we'll create that with the learning mm-hmm. community Virtually,
4: mm-hmm. we do. We've always insisted on that confidentiality being one that's yeah. you know, sacrosanct because that's an important one for the safety and our the um, writing to grief, the poetry one you know, mm-hmm. was abiding by that, and we let that go. And we weren't involved in in that. That was hosted by somebody else. But we always maintain confidentiality. Nothing leaves the circle, stays in the circle. We come back two hours later after they've disbanded. They put all their poetry up on the wall, on the main wall. (laughs) Watch it come out the door. So it's kind of like, okay, well, it's it's confidentiality unless you decide it's it's not. They're publishing. (laughs) They put it all up for
2: everybody to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll be interested to see, has your aging well group started?
2: So... Um, aging is a very high priority in this community Mm -hmm. and we had a wonderful discussion that you kicked off Mm -hmm. and we had 55 people there Mm -hmm. and that's spawned different groups and different interests Um, we had we've had single session Mm -hmm. aging Mm -hmm. um there was a group that met today that will be an ongoing circle they've just agreed to keep meeting and we have at least one that will start in september that will have just a different focus on it Mm -hmm. what we're um just starting to of course you know feel the dimensionality to is that a we all age differently and the span Mm-hmm. right aging when we're 80 is different than aging when we're 60 and aging in the presence of illness is different than aging in without the presence of illness and so we're just trying to figure that out and i, I think the i think we'll be offering and experimenting with many different types of circles that would address well,
1: i think that'll be fascinating I have a a dear friend, uh, Rabbi Rachel Cowan, who's just written a book on, I think she calls it Wise Aging, and um, I'm going to do a conversation with her. Um, But um, being the iconoclastic human being that I am, (laughs) um, there is a part of me um, that feels that the emphasis on wise aging or some people call it eldering as opposed to getting older, mm-hmm. um, kind of has the peril of emphasizing the bright shining dimension at this, at the expense of not enabling the shadow dimensions to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny, um, last night and this morning just to be very present with it i you know i'm a pretty up human being but i had this kind of gentle sense of melancholy and um i think it was about aging and i was thinking you know what would it be like to have an aging group uh, with the theme of melancholy you know, uh, and, and I'm not saying that's not actually a good idea, but what I mean by that is, um, I think what I trust most, and I think it's implicit in the circle methodology, is to create space for whatever feelings we're having, mm-hmm. and, um, and therefore. The, the beautiful work that some people do on wise aging, and I think one can age wisely, but maybe part of the wisdom is to make space for the parts that don't feel so wise, mm-hmm. you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that um, just, I've been reading a, a remarkable book, by a guy named A.H. Almas, uh, on the Enneagram, which as you know I've been thinking a lot about and um, he, um, he quotes a, a Buddhist teaching uh, which essentially says that the, the, that the essence of the Buddhist teaching that he espouses is that whatever emerges for us, um, to look at it with compassion and, you know... Mm-hmm sort of objectivity, to not try to stop it, Mm -hmm. to not change it, to not want to improve it, you know. And to me, and this is very personal, it isn't about the discussion we're having, uh, but I prefer circles where that is the assumption, rather than an effort to be wise or you know, And I guess that relates to my issue with um, sort of spiritual, um, imparting spiritual truth to Mm -hmm. others, you know. Mm -hmm. I just feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. when all the dimensions of us are equally welcome Mm -hmm. instead of, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's just a... Mm -hmm.
4: We've had that in circles where the first time goes around, everybody speaks fairly superficially. And if somebody starts off, oh, my God, I had the greatest week. This is fantastic. Then there's kind of a reluctance sometimes for someone to bring in a more melancholy or mm-hmm. not so great. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we typically just send the stone back around again. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like There's sometimes we've gone three times around before then something else comes up. Mm-hmm. So I think – All of those in a circle, if it's held in a certain way, can Mm -hmm. emerge and be Mm -hmm. be dealt with,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: or at least be addressed and uh, dealt with. Mm -hmm. So what have I not asked you about Healing Circles Langley that you'd like to uh, say?
4: Well, I, I think we talked about a little bit just about the space itself just lends itself to healing it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. And people walk in the door and there's kind of this sense of of uh, mm-hmm. uh, being home or, or safety. So part of our job's super easy because people are already in that realm. There's an aspect to it that kind of bothers me because when we talk about a healing circles anywhere, you know, if it's mm-hmm. a model or anybody mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. healing circles and the idea of well, do you have to have it be a space-based thing? And no, philosophy, you don't. You just have to be able to you know, hold some environment that is safe and is welcoming and is, is warm. So for us, it's easier to get down the road. I, mean, I think it's easy if you have a space in existence like this. Certainly not necessary. Mm-hmm. And I kind of treat this as a beta site for a lot of stuff we want to do more on a national level with the Healing Service
1: mm-hmm. Initiative. Um, I agree with that completely. And again, take the example of Alcoholics Anonymous—they mm-hmm. meet in basements and church. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure—I'm hundred percent sure. I mean, our heart group has met in lots of different places. But, and also, I think groups that meet in people's living rooms are can be wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, many of the alumni groups meet in the living room of. So, um, I agree. This is a beta. Testing place, but what a gift that the growth of this has been so strong in the first seven months because it enables us to see this learning community in just blossoming and teaching us, Absolutely. you know, every month something we didn't know before.
4: The whole uh, who's who's helping whom exactly. is totally blurred. Exactly, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. just, it's wonderful. Yeah,
2: that's what I would have ended with. Mm-hmm. What we've learned that um, you cannot give without receiving, and you mm-hmm. cannot receive without giving. And so, the help and the helper and the patient and the, all of that should just go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and it took us a while to get Mm -hmm. to that. People want to help so desperately. Uh, we just have such an impulse for that. I Mm -hmm. absolutely love that about human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, but we get so much Mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. And when, when we realize that every energy that comes in can feed this, now that was just really liberating for
3: all of
1: us. Mm-hmm. Diana and Kelly Lindsay, authors of Something More Than Hope, Surviving Despite the Odds, Thriving Because of Them. Diana, uh, a nine-year survivor of stage four lung cancer. Kelly, um, uh, long experience with caretaking and your own cancer experience. Co-founders of Healing Circles Langley and deeply beloved partners in creating the Healing Circles Learning Community. Thank you for being with us at the New School. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael, yeah.
2: for all you've done yeah. to make this happen. Yeah. thanks.
0: You've been listening to a conversation with Diana and Kelly Lindsay of Healing Circles Langley, hosted by Michael Lerner. Thank you for joining us at the New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kira Epstein. Our audio engineer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Please visit our website at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on Facebook.